Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is Why Is That Podcast. Welcome back to Why Is That Podcast. This week we're all about the Benjamins, all about that cash money, making bank, C-notes, bread, greenbacks, two bits, big wad of singles, cha-ching. When it comes to money, we have many phrases and slang. There's the common expression that time is money and that cash rules everything round me. The omnipresent currency that allows us to exchange it for our needs and some of us to exchange it for our wants. Currency has a very long history and it is the cornerstone of any specialized economy. That importance and presence in all our lives has spawned many names for it beyond the official names. I have selected four common slangs for money, one each from my four largest markets. Bucks for the Americans, quids for the Brits, loonies for the Canadians, and bradman for the Aussies. Let's tackle them in alphabetical order. The official currency of Australia, Canada, the United States, and somewhere around 20 other countries in the world is the dollar. Towards the beginning of the 16th century, the Kingdom of Bohemia found silver near the abandoned village of Conradsgrun. A new town was founded named St. Jacob's Valley in 1516 in order to mine the valuable resource. The mine would help the Counts von Slick become one of the richest noble families in Bohemia. In January of 1520, the mine had started to produce so much silver that it made sense to open a local mint in town. In 1525, the mint produced a coin that depicted St. Jacob on the obverse and the Bohemian lion on the reverse. This coin came to be known as the Thaler and was used throughout Europe for hundreds of years. In German, the town of St. Jacob's Valley was Jacobsthal. Thal means valley, and a thaler is a person or thing from the valley. As the silver coin was from the valley, it took on that name, and in Dutch became known as the Dalders. The Dalders became the main currency in the New Netherlands, which was a Dutch colony that would eventually become New York. Dalders came into English as dollars. The dollar sign, which is the S with the couple lines through it, came from an abbreviation for the Spanish peso that in North America was commonly known as the Spanish dollar. The abbreviation was PS. Over time, the scribes started to write the S over the P instead of next to each other. So the lines through the S of our modern dollar sign represent the vertical line of the letter P. The lines through the S of our modern dollar sign then represent the vertical line of the letter P. The dollar as a currency is based on the decimal system so that a dollar is made up of 100 cents. The most common currency denominations for dollars and cents are pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, dollars, 5, 10, 20, 50, and 100 dollars. The different denominations often receive their own nicknames. For instance, a fiver is often a name for the $5 or £5 note. In the country of Australia, if you opened your wallet and noticed that you had a pineapple, a lobster, two blue swimmers, and two prawns, how much money would you have? The answer might surprise you as it is a Bradman. If you're not from Australia, you might be a little lost. In Australia, the $50 note is a yellow color, much like that of a pineapple. Colloquially, it then became known as a pineapple. The $20 note is a red-orange color like a lobster. The blue $10 note becomes the blue swimmer. And the pink $5 note for the color becomes prawn. 
If we do the math from the bills that I mentioned before, that comes out to $100 for a Bradman. Sir Donald George Bradman was an Australian test cricketer. He is sometimes referred to as the Don, and according to List 25, he is the greatest cricketer of all time. Test cricket is a pretty intense sport as it involves two teams of 11 players playing a four-inning cricket match that can last up to five days. Bradman was a top batsman and player of his generation. The Australian captain at the time was quoted as saying Bradman was worth three batters to the Australian team. He was the year-end leader in rating for test cricket 10 times from 1931 to 1947, which is made more impressive considering no test cricket was played from 1940 to 1945 due to World War II. That means that only 11 seasons were played and Bradman was the top in 10 of them. When Bradman retired, he had the highest rating all time and his batting average was 99.94. Put into context how amazing this batting average is, the second best career batting average of all time is Adam Vogus with 61.87. Bradman was a national icon in Australia. The 99.94 batting average was so close to 100 that Australians started to refer to the $100 note as the Bradman to honor the greatest cricketer of all time. As I was researching the origin of buck, I remembered an alternate way I used to use the term buck. A buck was a way to describe the action of giving someone a ride on your bicycle, specifically on your back pegs. As such, you might give someone a buck to the store, or around the neighborhood, or even give a friend a buck home. When I tried to find the origin of that term and usage, just as a fun side project, I found a post that claimed it was only used in Minnesota many years ago. The problem with that post is that it was not from a reliable source, and when I tried to find clarification from an actually reliable source, I could not find one. For instance, there was no mention at all of Buck as a way to give someone a ride on your bicycle was found on the online etymology dictionary or even on urban dictionary. So I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of the term Buck used in the way I just described? If yes, are you from Minnesota? If no, what term did you use for giving someone a ride on the back of your bike? Let me know on Twitter at whyisthatpod or via email at whyisthatpod at gmail.com. I would greatly appreciate any answer you can provide. Anyways, if you are an American, and even if you are not, you have probably heard the term buck used to describe a dollar, as in I'll give you 50 bucks for that to mean $50. It works as a one-to-one -one exchange for dollars. You can even say a buck fifty as shorthand for a dollar and fifty cents. It is also likely that you at least have a vague idea for the origin of this term. It is a pretty popular story that the term buck for dollar originated with buckskins that were once used as a form of currency exchange between native tribes and the frontiersmen as far back as the 1700s. For those of you who have not heard that origin story, I will explain it in more detail in a moment. However, I want to start off by saying that while this is the most common explanation, it is not accepted by all scholars. There are actually three explanations provided by scholars for this slang term for money. It is possible that the correct answer is only one of the stories, it is possible that it is a combination of two or all three of them, and it is possible that all of them are incorrect and just folk etymologies or after-the-fact explanations. We have discussed in the past how slang terms can sometimes be difficult to trace due to the amount of time that elapses between the first use and the term's introduction into the written record. Nonetheless, we have three great theories, and I'm going to present each to you with its evidence, 
then at the end you can decide which one is correct. A sawhorse is a beam with four legs that is used to provide support to a board or plank for sawing. Basically, you lay the board across it, and this lifts the board off the ground so you have room to work your saw while still being able to put pressure on it. In the 1800s, the sawhorse was also called the saw buck, especially when the saw buck was in the shape of an X. In 1850, the United States produced a $10 bill that was ringed with the Roman numeral for the number 10 and had two large Roman numerals on the back of the bill. The Roman numeral for the number 10 is an X. The bill received the nickname of Sawbuck as it reminded everyone of the X sawhorse. Sawbuck was then shortened to buck, and from there buck became the slang term for dollar. That is option one. This explanation has the benefit of a direct line to referring to currency. It is unknown, however, how the sawbuck was shortened to buck and how it went from referring to a $10 bill to specifically being equivalent to $1. A second theory also relates to the phrase, pass the buck. In the 19th century, poker was a popular game in the United States. It was common for a marker or counter to be passed around from player to player to indicate whose turn it was to deal. A common marker of the time was a knife with a buckhorn handle. The knife would be passed around the table multiple times throughout the game, and if a player ever wanted to shift the responsibility of dealing to the next player, he would simply pass the buckhorn knife to the next player. The buckhorn knife could possibly be shortened to buck. This created the phrase, pass the buck, which means to pass responsibility. Alternatively, the marker may have been a piece of buckshot, and then followed the same abbreviation to just buck with the same usage. Or perhaps it was a combination of both, and they were both shortened to buck. Silver dollars eventually came to replace these markers. Passing the buck and the connection between bucks and the markers was so strong that people continued to refer to the markers as bucks out of habit. From there, those gamblers started to refer to silver dollars as bucks, and from them, the slang spread. Soon everyone was referring to dollars as bucks. Option 3 is the first one I mentioned. A buck to mean a male deer is attested back to the 1300s with roots in Old English and Proto-Germanic. Buck skin, meaning the skin of a buck, is just as old. By 1793, the term buckskin had also taken on the meaning of leather clothes worn by Native Americans and frontiersmen that were made from the skin of deers. The buckskins were very valuable amongst the natives and frontiersmen. So much so that buckskin started to be used as a form of currency between the two groups. In 1748, a Pennsylvania Dutch pioneer named Conrad Weiser described the rate of a cask of whiskey in his journal as being five bucks. The five bucks reportedly referred to buckskins. The 1748 example of referring to buckskins as bucks and the use of buckskins as currency actually predate the printing of American-specific currency. As the trade of buckskins continued into the 19th century, so too did the use of the name buck to describe this currency. There is evidence that animal skins were even traded straight up for American currency. In 1847, Henry Howe published Historical Collections of Ohio. In it, he describes the animal skin exchange rate as follows. A muskrat skin was equal to a quarter of a dollar, a raccoon skin, a third of a dollar, a doe skin, half a dollar, and a buckskin, the almighty dollar. This evidence that shows that buckskins were worth one dollar, and the earlier example shows those buckskins were sometimes referred to simply as bucks. 
This presents a very compelling case, and the Democratic State Journal published in 1856 helps that case as it referred to Dollar specifically as Box in the following ways. Bernard, assault and battery upon William Croft, mulked in the sum of 20 bucks. This provides a linear progression for Buck. It starts out with buckskin as currency, and then this transitions to referring to a buckskin as a buck, and then as a dollar is equivalent to one buckskin, it would make sense to refer to it as a buck. The difficult piece of anointing option 3 as the correct origin is that options 1 and 2 also fit the timeline presented with 1856 being the latest date by which dollars were being referred to as bucks. For that reason, it is hard to say for certain which of the three are the true origin. As I mentioned, it is also possible that all three contributed to the spread of the slang. It does beg the question, which one do you think is the true origin? As discussed at the beginning, the currency of Canada is also the dollar. Colloquially, it is known as the loonie to foreign traders and Canadians alike. In terms of global reserves, the Canadian dollar accounts for approximately 2% of global reserves, which makes it the fifth most held reserve behind the US dollar, the euro, the yen, and the British pound. Historically, Canada used the British pound sterling system for currency after the Seven Years' War as their main currency, but for practicality purposes eventually wanted their own currency. In 1841, the Canadian pound was introduced. Over the next two decades, trade relations between the British North American provinces and the United States grew in frequency and importance. This was especially true of the 1850s, and this created a want to produce a currency in line with their neighbors to the south. In 1856, the province of Canada introduced the Canadian dollar, and with Confederation in 1867, the dollar became the official currency of Canada. However, it would be over 100 years before that dollar would earn its nickname. In 1982, the Royal Canadian Mint began work on plans to introduce a more widely circulated dollar coin. Several businesses and organizations were lobbying the government of Canada at the time to replace the dollar banknotes with dollar coins. In 1985, a Commons Committee recommended eliminating the dollar note in favor of the coins as it was argued that it would save between $175 and $250 million over 20 years by switching to coins that had a much longer lifespan. It was unclear whether the public at large would accept such a measure, and this fear of rejection was maximized given the failure of the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin that was produced in the United States from 1979 to 1981. Nonetheless, the Canadian government went ahead with its plan and announced in 1986 that a new dollar coin would be produced to replace the dollar bill. The new coin entered circulation on June 30, 1987, and force acceptance of the last dollar bill was printed two years later on June 30, 1989. The first ever Canadian silver dollar coin was produced in 1935. It depicted King George V on the obverse, and on the reverse it depicted an indigenous person and a French voyager. It was nicknamed the Voyager Coin and remained in circulation for decades, but not many were produced. Initially, the new dollar coin of the 1980s was going to keep the Voyager design, though with an updated obverse to depict Queen Elizabeth II. The master dies of the new coins had been struck in Ottawa and needed to be transported to the Winnipeg Mint. In order to save $43.50, the Ottawa Mint used a local courier to transport the master dies. The dies were lost in transit. Upon a further Commons investigation, it was found that it was the third time in five years that the Ottawa Mint had lost a master die. 
In fear of counterfeit currency from the master die, it was decided to replace the Voyager design with a new design. The Commons Committee approved a design from Robert Ralph Carmichael that depicted Elizabeth II on the obverse and a common loon on the reverse. The common loon has long been a symbol of Canada, much like the beaver, the maple leaf, and Tim Hortons. Initially, much of the population was not crazy about the idea of a dollar coin instead of a dollar bill. The idea is that coins are more cumbersome to carry and easier to lose, so the common person does not like them, even when businesses and the government do. The coin was quickly nicknamed the Looney based on the reverse image, but at first this was a derisive nickname. It was the cumbersome Looney replacing the tried and true green and white dollar bill. Once the dollar bills were discontinued, people had no choice except to accept the Looney. Over time, the Canadians came to love the dollar coin, and the derisive nickname grew into a loving one. Once it morphed into a loving nickname, it slowly took over the common name for a single dollar. If you watch the news in Canada, you will often hear what rate the loony is trading at in international markets. By 1996, the loony was so ingrained in the name of a dollar that when a $2 coin was introduced to replace the $2 bill, it was immediately nicknamed the toonie as a portmanteau of two and loony. Who knows what the Canadian dollar would be called today if the Ottawa Mint would not have lost the master dies. The Voyager doesn't really flow off the tongue the way that Looney does. Finally, we have the quid. Officially, the origin for the word quid is unknown, as you will find should you look up the word quid in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. There is a theory though, and I will present it. The theory is very sound, but there is no hard evidence that link the origin to the present usage, so it cannot be confirmed. The theory holds that the term quid for currency comes from the Latin quid. You likely have heard the phrase quid pro quo. It literally translates into English as something for something. It refers specifically to an exchange of goods or services. For instance, if I paid you something, maybe 15 quid, you might show me around London for a half hour. In this case, I am exchanging money for your service, but it could be an exchange of anything. It seems a pretty simple leap then to go from quid meaning something to exchange for your goods or services to specifically referring to currency. We know quid referred to currency in England by at least 1661 as the book Strange News from Bartholomew Fair or The Wanderer Whore Discovered. As the book said the following, The fool lost his purse, but we knew how not, for the reckoning being suddenly brought in, his quids were vanished. The appearance in 1661 partially fits the timeline for quid pro quo fairly well. In the 1530s, quid pro quo generally referred to a substitution rather than an exchange, so it would have been closer to this instead of that as a translation. A common example of the time included substituting one's medicine for a different kind of medicine. By 1600, the use of the phrase had changed to reflect our current understanding of quid pro quo, and possibly with that understanding came the connection with the pound sterling. There are other options, but they are generally viewed as folk etymologies and therefore not true. The most popular of the folk etymology is that quid was taken from the village of Quidhampton. Supposedly, its mill produced paper for Britain's first banknotes, and the quid from Quidhampton stuck with the banknotes in a similar way of thaler and dollar. Another common explanation comes from Irish-speaking soldiers in the British Army who refer to their compensation as their portion or share, which in Irish would have been the word quid. This is generally not believed to be correct. 
A third incorrect option is that quid comes from a variant of cud, which means a lump of chewing tobacco. The problem with that explanation is that it was not attested to until the 1720s, and as mentioned, quid was in use by 1661. Yet another theory holds that quid came from squid bartering, but scholars do not typically pay that theory much mind. A potential proof of the Latin quid meaning something as the origin of quid meaning pound sterling can be found in French. The French word quibus was used to refer to money and cash by at least 1889 as attested to by Barrard's Dictionary. This edition is over 200 years after our quid was introduced, so it is not possible that this is where quid comes from, but quibus was reportedly shortened from the phrase quibus fiant omnia, which translates to by which all things happen. The word quibus in that phrase derives from the same Latin word quid and therefore shows a different culture also adopting the Latin word for something as slang for money. For those reasons, it is most likely that the modern English word quid, meaning one pound, was inspired by the Latin word quid, which literally means something. All this to say, a quid is something. Talk about a million quid answer right there. Okay, that does it for Why Is That Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episodes into some of the most popular slang words for money. I hope you enjoyed today's episode into some of the most popular slang words for money. If you happen to be curious about any other money slang words and you'd like me to look into it, please let me know. Also, do remember to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app, whether that be Podcast Republic, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are streamed. Until next time, cheers.